Hello and welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others podcast, mainly for experienced and aspiring people managers. I'm your host, Nina Sunday, and this is the show to help you explore ways to become the best version of yourself at work as a manager. Each episode, you'll hear from some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share your passion to elevate and transform team culture. They share insights in self-leadership and leading others. Together, we can make workplace culture better. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others. Playing a bigger game is Rowdy McLean's life story. Rowdy has created and led great companies, motivating, inspiring and agitating individuals, teams and organisations to play a bigger game. With a master's degree in business administration, he's a fellow of the Australian Institute of Management, the Customer Service Institute of Australia, and is a graduate of the Disney Institute. Voted recently as one of Australia's top three speakers, Rowdy is a motivated, down-to-earth, practical leader and business expert. He walks his talk. Rowdy believes that individuals, teams, leaders, and businesses are capable of playing a bigger game. His best-selling book, Play a Bigger Game, was published in seven countries. His most recent book, Leadability, is another bestseller. Welcome, Rowdy McLean. Thank you so much, Dino. I'm glad to be here. Uh, me too. And look, I, I've, I've been watching your work over many years and I've always been very impressed. And you seem to go into companies and do big contracts, working with the whole uh, multiple teams, as, as far as I understand. So your experience is, uh, is quite extensive. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's true. So I work with, you know, huge corporate organisations and, uh, and we end up working with all of their leadership teams down to the front line. But I also work with mum and dad companies and, and help them uh, navigate the uh, obstacles of leadership. So it's, you know, it's big or small. I, I just love uh, the impact that, improving leadership can have. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey to being a leadership expert? I mean, did it start with a, a qualification or were you a manager of a, of a team or how did that start? Well, I've always, I've always been one of those people who fell into leadership roles. You know, I was a school captain. I was a football captain. I, you know, I, I was a team leader in a business. And, and like all people in leadership, I think you get promoted into leadership because you're really good at your job and you know the reality is I, it took me a long time to find out that I was a terrible leader and uh, in fact I wrote leadability when I was the CEO of you know Australia's biggest hospitality company and I, I had been there for 18 months turning the business around making it into a massive success but in that time you know I sat down and thought about the experience of, of the leadership journey and how much I'd grown. And so I wrote the leadability book because I wanted the book to be the book that I wished I had have got the day I first got a leadership role. Rowdy, I hear you because like you, people thought I was a good leader, but I look back now and I, I'm amazed at how 
terrible I was, all the mistakes I made. But the thing is, at least I found out those mistakes and I feel that I improved upon it later. So there's hope for everybody, isn't that right? There, there most certainly is. And, uh, yeah, and that's why I wrote the book, you know, just so people who, who decided that they needed to know more about leadership had a, a resource that they could tap into with all of the mistakes that I'd made over 30 years of leadership. You know? Well, it might be good because I sometimes do this when I'm speaking. I talk about the mistake I made and then how I repaired it. Do you, do you want to tell us the top mistakes that people managers make when they're leading people and then maybe <laughs> how to fix that? Uh, well, I think... I think anybody with any aspiration, any desire wants to be successful. And I was no, no different. But the, the problem became that I was a success-driven egomaniac, you know, where I just, uh, nothing happened without me overseeing it, without me approving it, without me rubber stamping it. And, uh, and then that, um, that flowed on to the way that I treated people in the business. Like at the end of the day, uh, I didn't realise that not everybody wanted to be as successful as I was. Not everybody was as driven as I was and that there were different ways to get people motivated and inspired and engaged. And, and it took me a long time. And, you know, uh, had I have had that book the day that I started, I would have got triple the results in half the time. Like, it's, uh, it's such an art leadership. So what I'm hearing is you have to understand that everybody's not like you and you have to be a good people reader and, and really understand what motive, the different motivations for different individuals. Yeah, what, what gets one person from A to B is not necessarily what gets another person from A to B. And, and I thought that everybody was motivated exactly the same, you know, and, and uh, that discovery for me was a huge realisation. In fact, the, you can't just list one, two or three or four styles of motivation. You have to really look at the individual, their circumstances, their background and their role. And not only that, but their motivation can change on a daily basis. And, and it can change wherever they are in the uh, being a, a team member cycle. So their first year, second year, third year and beyond people can plateau and start to become demotivated. So then yeah. you have to find a way to remotivate them. Isn't that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I think a, a, a leader's role is largely about that. You know, like if, if we were to talk about the difference between a manager and a leader, yeah. a manager yeah. manages resources and inputs to create an outcome, right? You know, and, and you know, that's so many widgets to create so many products or, uh, you know, some type of service to, to deliver some result. But a, a leader is trying to inspire and motivate people to get things done too. And, and you know, if we did, if we talked in simple terms of that, uh, about that, and we could, I could talk for hours just about these three things, right? But the, the typical three ways that we would do that is, one, get out in front. So get out in front, follow me. I'll show you the way. I'll show you how to do this. You just follow me and that's how it's done. And pretty much that's how I did leadership at the beginning. But the other way to do it is get in behind people and say, you've got this. You, you can do this. I've, I've got your back. If it doesn't go all right, don't worry. I'm here to catch you. And then the, 
The third one is we need to get down and dirty with people. Sometimes you just need to get in the trenches and do it together. And, you know, if, mm. if you just operated in those three simple modes, you would be a better leader. It seems to me that you, you're describing how you started where you might have been a bit of a micromanager. Yeah. Like telling, yeah. instructing people or directing people how things to be should be done. And what you've learned is that it's better to let them find, uh, understand the outcome, find their own way to do it, and for you to support them as long as, and, and just maybe correct any errors of, uh, of focus that they might have, but really you're there to support them rather than to be on top and checking on them all the time. Yeah, is that yeah. right? Well, I, I think you need to run all three, you know, because oh. one person you need to get behind and give a shove another one you need to get out of front and say come on somebody else you need to link arms and say let's do this together and oh, and it's the ability to know which person is which yeah. and, but but I think definitely the step back I made was was to allow good people to do good things and mm. you know I think as a leader you go from answering every question and, and wanting to have all the answers because you've you know, you've got that ego and the power that goes with it. And I was definitely like that. But, you know, I learned to say these three words. I don't know. Even though I thought I knew or I stopped answering people, I stopped telling them how to do things. When one of my leaders would come to me and go, you know, Rowdy, what do you think about this new marketing uh, concept when we just can't seem to nail it. And I would know exactly how I would want it done, but I would go, no, I don't know, Wendy, what would you do? And she would go, well, we were thinking we would do this and we would do that. And so you start to collect people's ideas and input, but you still have the ability to shape the outcome. So, you know, if I wasn't particularly happy with the direction that they'd chosen, I'd go, look, I think you should do A and B, but I wouldn't do C. Yes, no. yes. So you are giving, look, in, in the end, their, their way of uh, reaching the outcome either resonates with you or not. And if you really think that they're going to be off the mark, that's when you can give them direction. But they're going to take more ownership if the suggestion has come from them and it might have been what you were going to tell them anyway. Exactly. And, and now they're motivated, right? Now they're... <laughs> in the game because they're working on their ideas, not right. my ideas. Yeah, and they, yeah. they want to see it execute well and then perhaps get the praise and recognition that comes from having done a good job that was their idea in the first place. It's a, a wonderful way to work with people, Rowdy. Yeah, and, and, and seriously, the amount of really good ideas we got that weren't mine was unbelievable, you know. Like yeah. I, I've become more of a director of traffic than than an idea generator. And I think that's a really robust style of leadership because you don't plateau because the organisation grows and you, you rise with it. Everybody rises. You know, that uh, old analogy of a rising tide lifts all ships. Yes. That's what happens when you start to allow people to bring their ideas to work. But, of course, you're working inside organisations to get their leaders to do the sa something similar and what if you have got an ego-driven, egomaniac that just wants to, you know, all the glory for, for themselves? Yeah, look, and they exist, you know, and nowhere near as much as they used to, but they exist. And so you need to understand how to temper those people, how to help them see a different path to be more inclusive. And, you know, 
you heard that old analogy that there's no I in team, right? And it's, I reckon it's rubbish. I reckon there is an I in team. And the I, the I in team is you being the best version of you in that team. Otherwise, we end up with mediocrity. So you've got to have the success-driven egomaniac who's, who's pulling everybody forward uh, and temper, the, temper their uh, behaviour so they don't affect everybody else. But you also need that, that uh, thoughtful, quiet, thinker that sits on the sidelines really doesn't say much and and at one meeting during the whole year they go have we ever thought about this and everybody goes oh why didn't you say that earlier so it's really bringing all of all of those different styles of personalities eat together you know otherwise organizations end up creating leaders that are all the same and wonder why they get mediocre results and this is interesting that you should mention that because sometimes the introverts are deep thinkers, but because the fast talkers are just taking everybody along with them, they don't kind of hold them back and say, look, look, I'm, I'm not able to, to make sense quite as quickly as you are, but I want to say this. And they just never get a word in. And it's up to the manager really to make sure that we hear from everybody in a in a meeting, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough in the work that I do that I get to sit in some of the biggest boardrooms of companies right across the globe. And the first thing I do is I look for the quietest person in the room because oh. quite often that person, you know, after the meeting, I'll go and seek them out. And more often than not, they've got all of the information about everybody in the room. Like they can, they just, nobody's ever invited them to, to have their input or, or they're not, they don't, they don't want to fight hard enough to get their input. But when you go sit down with them and ask them for their ideas, they've been, you know, contemplating for so long that when somebody <laughs> asks for it, they go, here's what you need to know, you know. And, and, uh, yeah. and so a, I a lot of quiet it. excellence, uh, silent achievers in, in the workplace that managers need to perhaps um, just maybe even have that one-on-one -on -one and just find out what are you thinking? What do you think about this? Yeah, yeah. Look, look for the quietest person in the room right. and then seek them out and have a, a comfortable conversation with them nice. in, in their nice. environment. This is, a, this is a key too, right? Yeah. You don't call the quietest person into your room, into your office and say, tell me everything I need to know. You need to go, if they're the quietest person in the room, they're like that for a reason. So you need to go, do they like to go to a coffee shop? Uh, you know, would they like to go for juice? Would they like to go for a walk in the park across the road? But meet them on their terms and then invite them to give you their information. It will be absolute gold. Yes, and they probably just needed that permission. So that's great. Now, looking at the structure of your book, you've got five chapters and they seem to go up a slope uh, across and then down again. So we, you start with, uh, and you call it climb one, two, three, four, and five, but climb one is getting to good. Climb two is elevating to excellent, ex, uh, to excellent. And leadability seven, the point seven is compelling vision. And that's, that's a bit of a task, isn't it? To share the vision and get people excited about it. But what's your, what's your tip around that? Well, first of all, let me explain the book to you a little bit more. All right, so, uh, please do. So I, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro for my 50th birthday, which was um, yeah, an incredible experience. But when I got back, I wrote the book basically because I was so impressed with the leadership skills of the Tanzanian guide that took us to the top of the mountain. 
and uh, and so it's actually a dual story. It's a it's thirty different tips on being a great leader, but it's also the story of the guide that took me up Mount Kilimanjaro, and so that's why you have the five levels. Four. It's not just a page. metaphor. It's actually a co complete process and experience, life experience that you had. Exactly. Oh, wow. Exactly. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, if we're going to talk about a compelling vision and, and, and my guide, Stephen, did all of these things that I talk about in the book really, really well. But his compelling vision was meeting us on, on day one in this little cafe in Moshi, you know, and it's, um, it's hot, but you know, there's no windows, but there's big fans going around on the ceiling and, and we're sitting there waiting for, for him to turn up and this giant of a man appears in the doorway and we know it's him and he comes over to us me and my son Joshua and uh, he said you must be Rowdy and Joshua and we said yeah we are and uh, he said are you guys excited yeah we are and you can out in the, through the window across the plains you can see this magnificent mountain rising up off the the plains in Tanzania and then it's snow-capped peak. He goes, are you motivated? And we go, well, yeah. He said, are you prepared? We go, absolutely. He goes. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best, it's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line, it's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI, it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. 13 people died on that mountain last year. You do everything I say when I say to do it and you'll get to the top of the mountain, I guarantee it. But it was such a way of taking this compelling, exciting vision of standing atop the highest freestanding mountain in the world and a reality check you know I went yeah. oh and uh, if he if you ever wanted to get us to listen that was the way to do it you know and because it's not just fun it's actually a discipline and following the the guide that knows exactly how to put one foot in front of the other yeah yeah do what I say to do say to do when I say to do it every time and you'll get to the top of the mountain and so you know, most people go to climb that mountain with the compelling vision and the excitement and everything, but without the reality of what it's going to take to get there. Yes, indeed. Okay, so there's getting to good, elevating to excellent, then there's re reaching for remarkable. Not everybody is motivated to reach for remarkable, have you noticed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have. I have. Uh, <laughs> So, so what's what? How does a people manager make sure that to everyone's with them? Well, look, I think to make sure everybody with, is with you, you need to go down to the bottom of the mountain. And you know, there's right. six elements in that foundation um, section, and, and mm. the, the, they're very basic, but they're effective. And, and you know, respect, feedback, communication, and. The problem with um, success-driven egomaniacs, people, uh, you know, doing leadership based on the power and the success it gives them, is they forget those basic tenets at the bottom. Now, if you get to the if you get to the top and try and reverse engineer those, like you you can't 
get respect when you've walked over a whole heap of people to get True. to the top of the mountain. You know? People remember that. Yeah, and they remember the feedback that you gave them, the way that you talked to them, the mm -hmm. way that you communicated with them. And so that's why all those six basic things are right at the very bottom because they, they build the foundation for you to climb to remarkable. To, you know, if you really want to be a remarkable leader, then those six things at the bottom are the foundation of getting you to the top. And we're talking about effective feedback and genuine care. Yeah. And, and, and coming across as if you do care. Not coming across as if you do care. Genuinely, realistically, absolutely caring in reality. Like, yeah. And it's not hard, you know. It's uh, You don't have to remember people's names. Like in big organisations, leaders get scared of talking to people because they don't remember their names. But, you know, all you have to do is come up with your own authentic way of going, um, look, I'm sorry, I, I've forgotten your name, but I know that you work in X, Y, Z. And right. um, I really wanted to talk to you about this. Or, you know, I know you support this football team, but... You, you will know something about them. That's right. That's a really good tactic because if you not remembering their name will be forgiven if you actually remembered a detail and the fact that you did have a communication with them in in the past and mostly with faces and details you can you can remember those. Yeah. And and, and people are people are quite forgiving if mm. if you open up with the fact that you don't instead of going um, yeah how are you going. You know, and yeah. the person standing there going, you don't know who I am. <laughs> so you've got no rapport, no respect, no trust right from the very beginning. How can earth can you motivate, inspire, direct, engage that person? You know? So we've been talking about these uh, ego-driven uh, leaders, but not... But you don't have to be that sort of person to be a great leader, do you? You don't have to be that personality type. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. You know, I think a great leadership team has at least one of those people on it, and there's a good reason for it. But, you know, you don't have to be like that at all to be a great leader. In, in fact, in, in you know, the modern era, I think the quieter leader is far more effective. And we just talked about the idea of genuine care. And there's this shift, you know, a big shift from command and control style of leadership to... Um, you know, collaborative leadership and then transformative, transformative leadership. Yes. And now it's really the humanising of leadership, the ability to really understand and care and, and acknowledge people and their efforts and their inputs, you know. There's a huge global um, desire for talent right now and if you don't genuinely care in the interview of of the person coming in the business or you don't genuinely care about the person who's already in your business it's likely they're off to somewhere else well we are seeing uh, an undercurrent of people thinking about moving even though they're not necessarily unhappy in their role they're just because life has been tough the last 18 months or so and people are thinking a change any change is worthwhile so yeah. you want to uh, you want to um, I've actually heard of people doing what they call stay interviews where you you just talk about to with people about why they're enjoying working for you and if you get people to talk about why they're enjoying working for the company it's kind of confirming it in their own head yeah yeah, great idea. Great idea. Mm. And, you know, 
in the companies that, that I work with, well, I find that it's actually in the middle leadership that, that um, needs the most work, right? So I'll turn up, uh, the CEO is a fan, they've seen me speak at a conference or, or something, and they go, Rowdy, we, we want to do this stuff that you, or they've talked to another CEO that I've worked with. So the CEO's keen, right? The, the next layer down, because they're all jostling for their executive manager roles and stuff, they, they're um, not really, they're, they're more interested in satisfying the CEO than satisfying the people below them. But the people below them are, are moving on and, and the CEO is sick of trying to find new people. So what we actually do is wedge those people. And so we... We take the inspiration and the excitement of the CEO and then we engage the frontline leaders and get them inspired and engaged and interested. And they actually force the people in the middle to get more engaged, you know. So we actually we get them to lead up from down the bottom to create that change that goes across the middle section. It's quite, uh, it's, it's quite good fun, actually. And... and Everybody loves it. Like you would think the people in the middle hate it, but uh, they actually, once they start to see the desire to grow and, and create, you know, different things from the people below them, and that it actually becomes easier to many of them because they're engaged, inspired, they, they change the way that they lead without too much coaching. Mm, mm. So when you work with an organization, you're working with the leaders, but you'll also be working with them one-on-one -on -one to do coaching with them. And uh, like, how, do, how does, I mean, obviously <laughs> people can, can contact you from all around the world, can't they? Because you can work in any time zone. That's it. Especially now, like, look, look at this. Who would have thought that uh, if, if you had have said to me, you know, in March of um, 2020, how many virtual presentations do you think you'll do in the next 12 months, Rowdy? I would have said maybe one, maybe. <laughs> but there's, a, there's doubt around that. Instead, I did almost 100, you know. Yeah. Just incredible. Yeah, there's been an incredible shift. And it's made it possible for people in any location to get access to the best ideas, the best inspiration. So uh, that's the silver lining of COVID. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I just, before we got together, I just did a presentation into Asia. Like, it's just incredible, the, uh, the technology and oh. the, the, the communication and, you know, so many things that you can add on, the whiteboards and... Oh, yes, uh, yes, inside the, uh, the online tool, yes. Yeah, yeah. Now, going back to, the, you said there were mistakes you made when you were a young manager and you learnt how to, uh, what they were and how to improve them. Can you give us, before we sort of finish our conversation, can, can you give us one more mistake that you see other managers making that, uh, that they uh, need to sort of fix? This is a really big one, right? This, right. Um, and I quite often do a little uh, exercise around this when I, when I speak at a conference. And uh, it, it's the idea that people will do what you do, not what you say to do. And so... You know, we now live in a world where, as a leader, you are exposed to um, the public, to your, to your suppliers, to your employees in so many ways, you know, and uh, because of social media, everything that you communicate is, is taken as absolute gospel from you, right? So the way that you behave has such a big effect on, on 
the way that others behave. Like if you say, um, don't ever, don't ever tell a customer they're wrong, and then you are heard to tell a customer they're wrong, people go, well, if you tell them they're wrong, I can tell them they're wrong. You That's know? right. It's, mm. you, you have to, in this day and age as a leader, you have to walk the talk. And, you know, it, because you, you, you're, you're on the platform all the time. And, uh, and so, you know, if we, if we went into another section of the book, it's about authenticity. People can spot a fake miles away right and so that idea of you, you can't say i believe in this and then do this mm. because those two the, the disparity there um will leak trust in the organization and, and you know the, the biggest the biggest number one capability that leaders need right now is trust and you can't demand it you have to you have to engage people and uh, earn it. Well, one of the top, uh, themes that I've noticed is is the mo is most popular on the podcast is is dealing with change. Have you got any wisdom around leaders dealing with change and the best approach to that? Look, uh, change is change is probably the most difficult exercise for a leader. And you know, if I'm doing a really big change program in an organisation, we will take a long time to set it up. So I think the very first thing you have to understand is that you can't just go, we've had this great idea and we're all going to do this. You know, you have to go, oh. we've got this great idea and sit down and plan how you're going to implement that great idea. And, and you know, so when if I'm doing it with an organisation, we do it on many, many levels. So we do it on a level that people don't even notice at the, at the beginning. So it's all of this uh, subtle, quiet communication. And then we engage, the, depending on which way we're going, we engage the first level of leaders, second level of leaders, third level of leaders. But it's quite a, quite a process. And, and I think mostly as leaders, we wake up at uh, 3 a.m. with the greatest idea and go into the office and at 9 a.m., the, the change strategies on, you know, we're going yeah. in this direction and everybody goes, oh, I don't want to change, I don't want to change. People want to change, people will change. And, and it doesn't just happen as an add-on. Uh, what I've observed, say, like even with, uh, say, changing over your uh, IT platform, they get all the IT people in to do all the technical side and then thinking about, they wait until the first group starts to resist it, that they think, oh, we, we've got to do some change management with them. <laughs> it shouldn't it be sort of something that's that's integrated at the start of the whole project? Absolutely. I mean, you're spot on. That's a perfect example of, of we go, we want to change the... Uh, we want to change the software platform. We get the IT people in. They sort it all out and we go... Um, Monday morning at 9am, we're changing the IT platform and people come in and go, but this doesn't work and that doesn't work and they get all frustrated. You, you know, we, we need to engage all of the people that are going to be impacted by the change in the conversation. And here's the reality is you won't get it all right. But the more, the more constituents you have sitting at the table thinking about what could possibly go wrong, the more chance you have of getting it right. 
And, and I'm very interested in your opinion around the importance of one-on-ones, uh, managers sitting down for 15 or 20 minutes one-on-one on a regular basis with the, their, uh, the people that report to them. What's Look, your opinion on that? Again, I think it's uh, horses for courses. So you know, some people need 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, some people need an hour. Some people just need one word. You know, and right. it's, it's understanding that. We coach our leaders on how to do a 60-second meeting. You know? And so how to, how to have meaningful feedback in just 60 seconds. Because oh. most of us go, we're too busy to do 15 minutes or an hour, you know. And, right, right. And we do performance reviews 90 days, six months, yearly, which is just ridiculous, you know. Like, if I want Nina, if I saw Nina do something or she doesn't look motivated or um, she's not engaged, I want to have that conversation now. And so if I can teach you to, as a leader, to have that conversation with Nina in just 60 seconds, that will provide either provide the inspiration and the motivation or two, allow Nina to understand that I'm happy to extend the conversation. It's right. just... So powerful, you can you can do forty of those in a day. Is it asking a trigger question? Is it giving them a compliment or some uh, acknowledgement or appreciation? Is it something else? What what can you do in sixty seconds? <laughs> I don't want to give all my secrets away, <laughs> Dana, but but it's essentially, first of all, telling them what you just observed. Ah, right. right. So, so I want to talk to you. Uh, I want to have a quick conversation when you have to use the word quick. So the person understands that this is something quick. that's not going to happen in the office. It's going to happen right here, right now. Right. I want to have a quick conversation about this. And this, it's an observation that you just saw. And then you ask the person, why is that? Why is that happening? You know, why were you rude to that customer? Why didn't you do this? Uh, why right. do you, why are you flat? Ah. And, ask and, questions first rather than, when you did that, this happened. It's like I ask for the root root cause yeah, yeah. of yeah. There yeah, might have been and, a reason for it, a good reason. Exactly. And don't start off by going, "You did this wrong." Go, I observed this. Ah, it's observable behaviour without assigning blame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and not only that, but you're now getting the person. Like when I when I go, this is what I've just saw. Can you tell me about that? Can you tell me why that is? You know. Yeah. Now I've got you talking. You yes. Know, you're going, oh, you know, you, know, you might, um, somebody might go, uh, they're rude to a customer. And then you go, look, uh, that customer, I just saw that customer walk away and they didn't seem very happy. Can you tell me why that is? And the person might go, oh, look, it's my fault. I'm a bit frazzled. Like the kids wouldn't sleep last night and the dog ran away. And, you know, I'm just burnt out and, and, uh, but now you can do something about that, right? You can go, listen, why don't you go and take a break or or why don't we shift yes. you away from customer facing? You know, like, but because you're talking, I could get a whole heap more options than if I'm talking. If I go, yeah. you're rude to that customer and if you ever do it again, we don't get any oh. progress or any results. Yeah, exactly. From that. Exactly. Look, Rowdy, it's just been fabulous speaking with you and, and getting sharing your wisdom. And uh, just tell tell the listeners how they can find you. Like, it's really simple. Just go to rowdymcclain.com. So that's Rowdy, R-O-W-D-Y, McLean, M-C-L-E-A-N.com. That's my website. That's where you can find me. And um, 
would love to talk to you if you are as interested and excited about the power of leadership as I am. And um, we'll be putting those details in the show notes. And uh, so thank you very much for your time today, Rowdy. I've just thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I did too, Nina. I'm sorry we only got about this much of that huge mountain in. But uh, anyway, we started the conversation. It was great. It was great. Thanks so much. Thank you. This episode, we've been speaking with Rowdy McLean on the Manage Self, Lead Others podcast for experienced and aspiring people managers. I'm your host, Nina Sunday. If you like this podcast, go and tell a friend. Everyone I meet who listens to this show say they found it because someone told them it's a good show to listen to. And come back every week. We interview people who share insights on how to elevate and transform team culture. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter at Nina Sunday. Thank you for listening. Until next time, ciao for now. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.